Well, the feeding of the 5,000, very well-known story. It's an account that we've heard many times over the years if you're, if you're a church person. And it, it's very popular. We look at Jesus taking just a little bit and making it into enough, feeding those who are in need. which is, after all, what God does all the time. Every year he takes grains of wheat in the field and multiplies them and multiplies them and multiplies them. Every year the fish grow and multiply and it's the only reason we have food every year. But on this occasion Jesus did it instantly, showing his power, showing his um, magnanimity, his generosity. But if we see this uh, whole passage as Mark has recorded it, it's not only about the food that he gave to the 5,000, but it's also about his relationship with the disciples and what he had to teach them and what he had to teach us. Two weeks ago we had a look at how Jesus sent the 12 on a missionary journey to various villages. And then last week we looked at how um, John the Baptist was executed. And this is the starting point because this is where it all came together. The disciples had been away and been busy in the meanwhile, Jesus had still been continuing his ministry and, and speaking to people and they came back and Jesus suggested, let's go away because they were tired, because they wanted to catch up, because they were overwhelmed at the weight of work ahead of them. There was always people coming to Jesus and wanting something. But it's also when he received news of the execution of John the Baptist and that had significance on two fronts. Firstly, it was a reminder that if you're bringing a message of repentance, if you're bringing a message to say get right with God, it has consequences because people will take offence at that because they don't want to change their lives. They don't want to commit to God. And so they will be offended by the message and if they have power, they'll fight back. And Jesus knew where his ministry was going to end up, on the cross. And so he, he did want to explain this to the disciples and say, look, if you follow me, things are going to get rough. But the second point is a personal point. Jesus was grieving. We sometimes forget that Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins. Their mothers, Mary and Elizabeth, they were cousins, so that meant that Jesus and John were second cousins. So he had a personal grief that he had to deal with at this time and there's people pressing around him. Let's get away. Let's get in the boat 
and go away and just spend some time by ourselves. And so that's what they did and they headed off and some followed them around the lake and some on that side of the lake could see them coming and they all gathered in. So when they arrived, there was already a crowd there. It must have been such a disappointment. We can, we can often push on and, and continue when things are a bit tough and, and it's a struggle, but once we're expecting something good and a bit of relief, if it doesn't come, it makes it twice as bad. So here they are, Jesus and the disciples, they're tired, they're worried, they're grieving, they're disappointed and now they're presented with a whole heap of people wanting ministry. Sometimes we think that spiritual growth happens in the quiet times, a nice church service or a retreat. Um, the, our young people are planning a retreat later in the year where they can go away and just be by themselves and, you know, learn more about God's plan for their life. And that's good. And there is spiritual growth there. But often the spiritual growth is when things are tough, when things are hard. You may notice sometimes um, Caleb's up the front here when he's got a short sleeve on. He's got these huge muscles. He hasn't got that from playing the guitar. Six hours a week in the gym. Previously seven and a half hours a week. Because if those in the fitness industry or the, the health industry will tell you, use it or lose it. It's only under stress and strain that muscles are maintained and grow. And it's the same for spiritual muscles. There's a passage in Romans chapter 5 which says this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. In the tough times, when we put aside our own wishes, our own desires, and do things God's way, when we endure, we change. Our character grows our spiritual muscles grow. And that gives us hope. Why? Because Jesus has promised that once we get to heaven, we will be perfect. All our human frailties will be uh, done away with. And we can see it as he changes us in the hard times, as we grow the spiritual muscles. We can see God working within us. So that gives us more hope 
that he will finish working in us and make us perfect. We know that God loves us and he is with us with his spirit all the time. When we look at the feeding of the 5,000, we can see Jesus experienced the same things that we did, the tiredness and the disappointment and the grieving and the worry. He understands that. He knows our need for a bit of downtime and approves of it. But sometimes we have to put that aside. They are, <laughs> we've got a situation here where the choice is not between good and bad. And we often think the Christian life is, okay, obey the commandments or don't obey the commandments. Do good or do evil. But when they arrive, they've got a choice between two goods. Spend time with Jesus, good. Minister to other people, also good. How do you decide? Well, how does Jesus decide? He looks at these people here as they come and he feels compassion. He feels what's going on in their heart because they're like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know who, who they should follow. They don't know who will protect them. They don't know who will feed them. That's their need and they understand that need. The disciples have found their shepherd. So for the moment they can wait. And the other thing is they've made an effort. They've made an effort to meet Jesus at that point. So for us in ministry, there's an intentional ministry like the disciples going to the, the villages and they go and they do that and they, they, they have their planned events to reach people for Christ. And they have their own needs that need to be met as well. That's the... That's the normal thing. But when an occasion arises where you're presented with someone who knows they have a spiritual need and have made an effort to come to Jesus, that's the time we should put aside our own agenda, our own normal program, our own needs and respond to those who have come to us. Otherwise, there's always someone else. You can't work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, taking the gospel to those who aren't ready to hear it. But if someone comes to you, then forget your own agenda and go ahead because that's what Jesus did. And so... Jesus starts ministering to the people and preaching to them, teaching them the things of God, being a shepherd to them. 
And it comes to late afternoon and the disciples come and say, you better send them away. It's getting late. We're a long way from the city. Um, send them away. And that's, that sounds quite reasonable. You've got a problem, you bring it to Jesus. And Jesus says, you sort it out. I think they were a bit surprised. <laughs> it wasn't what they were expecting. You feed them. And we're told, told um, in another account that it was Philip who said, 200 denarii, eight or nine months' wages. He's worked it out. He's done an estimate. There's so many people here, another lot here. We'll double that again and we we'll double it again. And we'll need um, so many sandwiches for everybody uh, that'll cost 200 denarii daily wage. Eight or nine months' wages, Jesus. And he'd work, he didn't work it out on the spot. He worked it out before they came to Jesus. And it's a good thing to count the cost. Jesus says, yes, count the cost. Work out, see what problems might lie ahead. But that's not the end of it. He says, what have you got? I don't know. He says, well, go and look. They'd got as far as identifying the problem, but they'd given no thought to how they might address it. They'd just put it in the too hard basket. They weren't, there'd been no effort at all to see what resources they had, what they could do to solve this problem. So they go away and they come back with five loaves and two fishes. Now, we think of a loaf of bread like that, it wouldn't have been that big. It's more like five bread rolls and two things. Feed one person, maybe two, if they're not too hungry. And looking back at it, we think, oh, well, they brought this and they expected Jesus to multiply it. I don't think that's the case. I think they expected Jesus to say, oh, is that it? Yeah, yeah, we better send them away. But no, he didn't. He said, sit them down, get them ready. And so they sat them down, you know, with a little alleyways so they could get through them and all and organised. There's still only five loaves and two fish. He hasn't done the miracle yet, but he's expected them to get started. You may not see where this is going, but take a step out now before you see what, what the end result's going to be. And so they do, and they set them out, and Jesus takes what's been given, though it's wholly inadequate, and he blesses it, he looks to God, and he starts breaking it and spreading it out. And the disciples take it and they take it to everyone. Everyone has enough. 5,000 men and their families. 
Always used to bother my father that they only counted the men. That's the way they did things. The Romans only counted people so they could tax them. The Israelites only counted people that were in the army or that would, they didn't have a, a, a permanent army. They just said, right, all the men between the age of 20 and 60, you're the army. So if there's a war on, that was the number they were interested in. And if you look back at it now and you're trying to work out the population, you just take that number, you double it with females and you double it again for those under 20 and over 60. So that's why they only did that. But everyone was sitting in families, so it's 5,000 families. Everyone had enough. Everyone had enough. And there were some left over. 12 baskets full. Until I was prepping for this sermon, it never occurred to me the significance of the 12 baskets full. I thought, well, yep, plenty, lots left over. And 12's a good round number that's often used in the Bible. But, of course, there were 12 disciples. So each disciple gathered a basket full of leftovers. And that was all he could carry. So there's probably still more leftovers, more than 12 basketfuls. It's just that that's all they could carry. Such a miracle. Jesus demonstrated that he can meet all their needs, that he wasn't limited that there's enough to go around for everybody. But do you know, a lot of people miss the whole point of it. It's not in this passage, but the next day, the same thing happened. Jesus and the disciples crossed the lake again and the people followed them around. but not for the right reason this time. Jesus said, when they arrived and started talking to him, they said, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Jesus did this miracle to show that he had God's approval for what he was teaching them, for what he was saying. But they were only interested in a free feed. In fact, they went and asked him, can't you be like Moses and, and just give us free food every day? Jesus wasn't interested. He fed them so that they might grow spiritually. And there's a lesson for us too in this, that when we show kindness and love, when we give things to those that we're hoping to reach for Christ, 
a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time it will be just taken as you're a soft touch or just taken as a matter of course. Yeah, I'll have that. You're giving something away, I'll have it. And we might think, well, why bother? Why bother? Because some people will respond on a spiritual level. Some won't. That happened with Jesus, it will happen with us. But for us, we're in the position of the disciples who, while serving, managed to get enough for themselves, as much as they could carry. For the disciples, Jesus gave them 12 full baskets and one empty basket, the two hard basket. That one he emptied. And the circumstances seem too hard for us. He empties that basket and he fills the other one with the good things that we need. Amen. I think we now we might have some more singing. Thank you.